always great to be listening today. Uh, kind of going off of what we talked about last week a little bit, um, but a little shift. Today we're going to talk about all things media and the Christian, Christians and media, Christians and our relationship to media and all of its forms. By media, I mean anything from TV and your local news station to especially the smartphone and uh, the media that is 24-7 pouring into our lives from our phones, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, websites, YouTube, and a bunch of other places that I've probably not heard of. Um, What should Christians be thinking about uh, these realities? What should our posture be towards uh, just the the absolute onslaught of media and in particular the messaging that we Mm -hmm. get? Uh, through our phones on a day-to-day basis, depending on how much we, we I guess, want that kind of messaging. Uh, what is bringing this topic up is uh, yesterday, a handful of us from our church did a class um, called Countering the Mass Shooter. It's a part of our uh, major security efforts for our church um, and um, securing our church and our people when we gather. Uh, but what the first half of the class was basically two hours uh of everything that that we, by we, I mean the experts, have learned about uh, active shooters and, and what is defined as a mass shooting. And it was shocking, uh, unbelievably shocking and eye-opening, some of the facts about uh, active shooters and, and mass shootings that have occurred. Uh, it was shocking to learn the facts and the very apparent facts. Yeah. The very, like, if you just take a cursory investigation of what happened. Right. The apparent obvious facts versus what we get fed a lot of times in the media, and in particular, the solutions that sometimes we get fed. I'm going to use this highly specific example to then throw, Jeff, a question to you. Use an example to bring up a broader topic, which is a lot of what we've learned about uh, active shooters, for instance, and in particular, the solutions of what will stop them couldn't be more wrong or fanciful in right. some cases. Um, uh, so, f- for instance, uh, one thing, and again, this is not what the podcast is about. I'm trying to use an example. Yeah. One thing that we will be told over and over and over again, particularly from politicians on mainstream news outlets and on Twitter and on all these media platforms, you know, is that um, that if we ban high-capacity magazines, it will stop mass shootings from occurring or if we would have had them banned or if we had universal background checks for instance then this given mass shooting would not have happened you look into the facts Mm -hmm. and reality that are right there for us to understand and examine and you quickly find a universal background check in the history of mass shootings as we understand it a universal background check would not have stopped one one of them not one not one, not, not a one. single one. Wouldn't have stopped a single one. And yet we are told again and again on podcasts and YouTube that that will stop stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Why is that a problem? Now, let's move from that specific example to the bigger topic I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, Christians need to approach media and messaging that we get from all corners of the globe. Yeah. F- now on our phones. Yep. Uh, and through the internet, we have to we have to have the right posture towards it in terms of what we're being told and how to examine it and how to think about it. So uh, I'll throw this big question to you. When it comes to media and all the forms of media, 
big broad question how should christians posture themselves toward it towards it what should their attitude be their mental frame of mind how should we be thinking about it yeah i first yeah so here it is the answer is let, i think we need to think about the process so as opposed to um which is very hard in today's culture and climate right to to not jump on a narrative and not jump on an ideology and not jump on an interpretation of reality as opposed to, you know what, let's, let's talk about just the process of coming to an ideology or the process of coming to a wise policy or the process of coming to a good way of thinking about something. So we're not even saying right, left, whatever that's going on right now. I I don't need, I, I just want us to pause and say, how are you supposed to even just think about it? How are you supposed to, what's the process of thinking wisely? What's the process of looking at something that uh, is not possibly for the Christian? I mean, if it's spelled out in Scripture, uh, you have your answer. Uh, but, but a lot of times we're dealing in creation, which is an area of wisdom, uh, which brings in whenever creation and redemption intersect and the scripture says so, we're, we're good. But the, it's really about the process. And I think, uh, do you have that text? I think this yeah. is the text that uh, we've got two texts from the mouth of wisdom itself, right? From Proverbs that I think this helps us in the process. Let's go ahead, read it. Yeah, so Proverbs eighteen seventeen. I think this is a, a very helpful text to drive the Christian's mental posture towards it towards all the messaging we get. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So right off the bat, um, you have certainly, you, you have a brain and you have opinions and you have preferences and you have your own desires and you have your own fallenness and you have uh, stuff that comes out of you in terms of how you think and understand and see the world. And then you have stuff that comes at you that wants to contribute and give you a pair of glasses and, and how to see the world. And I think this process is absolutely wise, obviously. And that is to acknowledge, you know, what your views are and your preferences are and what your opinions are. Uh, but to hold them incredibly loose, unless, again, we're talking about special revelation, we're talking about God's Word, where it's clearly stated. Like, for instance, gender, male and female, clear, clear, right? A Christian doesn't have any wiggle room there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's reality, and to, to go against reality is hurtful and harmful. It's not loving to anyone, um, particularly even those you think you're trying to be loving to that... Uh, want to change that definition. Mm -hmm. So we go to examine, right? Mm -hmm. It said, examine until you hear the other side or until you think it, debate it, Mm -hmm. uh, get different perspectives, get different inputs, Mm -hmm. um, challenge it. Uh, That process right there needs to happen. Yeah. You know, I think that this this makes me think, and, and this podcast, by the way, you know, we're not working off a script. This is very much us kind of um, uh, riffing on some of this, but uh, this makes me kind of reflect on a lot of my education growing up and very little of my education, which was a mixture of public and private school was very little of it was teaching me how to really examine and cross examine and debate, uh, anything. Yeah. Uh, most of my education was like, you need to learn X, Y, and Z 
so that we can pass this government test so that you can move on to the next grade and we can be accredited and, and yada yada, right? Get our money, yep. And if you think about it, if you think about it, a child who goes through an enormous amount of time in that kind of um, environment, I'm going to tell you what the right answer is. And then you're going to, and then I'm going to tell you that, and then I'm going to test you on it and you're going to regurgitate it. Yeah. Imagine going through 12 grades of that, potentially going onto a, a college campus that then reinforces that idea because that's what's happening in a lot of the academy. Yeah. The one, the, the place that should be the leader in debating and examining ideas persuasion going back and forth and testing ideas yeah test examine yep it's now becoming a place of if you disagree with this be be quiet so just imagine you go through 13 14 15 years of that kind of um environment yeah and then you're handed an iphone and on your iphone and on youtube and on twitter and all these places they you're hearing these messaging this message of this is what's true and you're whole life you have been trained to just go okay yeah okay that's what's true now here's where this gets just so unbelievably dangerous i was reading a book fantastic book called irreversible damage it's about the transgender movement happening right now in our culture you know and she uses exam examples about how kids are persuaded that they're transgender because there is a whole world out there that's that is intentionally seeking to persuade our children that they're transgender. Mm. Some of the things that they'll tell kids is if you feel insecure about your body, you might be transgender. Find me a single kid that does not feel insecure. Find about me their a body. single 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old. <laughs> Any that's not human. <laughs> right. So, so right. our kids. Oh, so my, my point here is, you know, uh, we have to have the ability to yeah. go, you could present any idea to me you want. Okay, if I feel insecure about my body, I might yeah. be transgender. Let me examine that thought really quick, yeah. right? And not just do what, sadly, a lot of our education system does, which is just like, I'll tell you what's true. I'll test you on it on Friday. You, regurgi- you, you regurgitate it back to me. No, how about I teach you to think? So... So we are in a, in a climate where that doesn't happen. And not only is it, doesn't happen it's actually like you're uh, condemned for challenging yeah, you're for sure you're uh, canceled for, sure. for challenging uh, that's incredibly dangerous not only is that incredibly dangerous that's like that's like wrestling uh, around with gravity and deciding that it just doesn't well I'm gonna test it maybe I jump off five stories and see if it works or not yeah. um, it's you're always going to get hurt. And so it feels like our culture has positioned itself ideologically in a place where it's going to constantly get hurt. Yeah. Well, you know, we, I've even experienced this at Redeemer. We do what's called theology after dark, where we bring in someone who disagrees with us on an issue. We let them present. And then we present after them on why we disagree with them essentially on the issue from scripture. And I've experienced this to a small degree of, of picking certain ideologies that seem to exist in the realm of don't question me nowadays, um, where I've, I've actually received that kind of like, um, response of almost like, I actually don't want to, I don't want to do this, you know, quote unquote debate, even though these nights are not really debates on this topic. And, and in hindsight, very quickly, it was like, oh, I should have expected that, actually, because yeah. this ideology is becoming untouchable. Untouchable meaning you're not allowed to question it. 
You're not allowed to debate it. You're not allowed to disagree with it anymore in our culture. And so then when we've tried to host very soft, friendly debates on it, it's been hard to, to find anyone because it's, I've realized, oh, this is an untouchable thing. Mm. So yes, we see that happening. Ben Sass has a great book called Them. If you want to read about this, this is an unbelievable book about how we as a culture have moved from like, I disagree with you to not only do I disagree with you, but you're bad and you're evil. So our culture's at that place, but we're, we're talking and trying to equip Christians on how to deal with this. So uh, again, scripture's clear um, about where you are to hold ultimate redemptive realities. And so we're talking about, okay, so how now do I engage the culture, engage the ideologies coming from the culture, uh, engage things on the iPhone, the corporate media, uh, all the different narratives and interpretations and lenses of seeing things. And, and we're saying that um, the, the wise, the word of wisdom itself says, hey, uh, test it. What first seems right to you, absolutely you can have your opinion, but hold it incredibly loosely. Challenge it. Let it be challenged. Uh, hear uh, other sides. Uh, and let that sifting, uh, ruminating um, process take place and know that uh, you're in the realm of creation, so you're in the realm of wisdom, um, and that there is a created reality mm -hmm. that will make sense and it will ring to be true on things that are highly significant. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there are certain things that you get into policies and opinions and preferences. You just need to be smart enough to know those are a policies, those are opinions, and it could go this way, it could go that way, and not to like make it ultimate truth for anybody and bind anybody's conscience to it. In fact, wisdom would say, hey, you know, we really don't know. Wisdom would actually take a humble position and say, you know, it may or may not work, but we'll find out, and we're, we're uh, in a place where we can be corrected, and we can change, and we can grow, um, that also is wisdom in this area. Uh, but that process, we're, we're wanting to emphasize to you and to help all of us is the process is have an opinion, uh, but be willing to be critiqued and challenged and tested. Have it tested. Because um, it happens over and over and over again, I think, today in today's culture where, man, if, if there was just some testing, mm -hmm. uh, there'd be a lot more unanimity and consensus over a lot of a lot of really important cultural directions and topics right now even politically um if there was some testing so if the culture doesn't let you test but the culture now is saying this is what's true and this is only what's true and we will not allow you to test it and challenge it uh you as a christian if you're doing that or you're a part of that uh, you need to wake up and repent. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a verse before we, we hit record um, in James uh, that I'm pulling it up right now uh, that says, know this, my beloved, beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, and then it goes on. For the anger of man does not reproduce, reproduce the righteousness of God, and on it goes, but uh, be quick to hear, uh, slow to speak. I think that that is a helpful guiding verse 
um, quick to hear. Even that Proverbs talks about you hear an argument, right? You hear a case made. So you're quick to hear it. Hey, I've heard your case. I've heard your argument, uh, but I'm going to be slow to speak. Um, and not that, not that James there has this specifically in mind, but I think this principle, that principle applies to this, that slow to speak can look like, okay, I've heard this argument and, and, and it might sound extremely spot on and helpful and right, but I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm going to be slow to regurgitate that argument as my own argument, as something that, uh, that I'm going to now advocate for, uh, merely because it sounds good. I'm going to be uh, slow to speak because I'm going to take some time to examine the case and examine the argument yeah. and figure out, figure out if that's true. And obviously, Jeff already mentioned this, but obviously we're not talking about things that Scripture makes clear. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that as a Christian, if someone says, hey, there's three genders that you go, okay, let me examine the case. Yeah. No, case closed with the Bible. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the example we had in the beginning, because the examples are essentially endless, someone says... Uh, hey, we want to value, we, we want to make our schools safe and secure. Everyone agrees. Absolutely. Everyone is like, absolutely. Yeah. And then then it's up to us to start making cases for how to do that. And if someone says universal background checks, we'll do it. Yeah. Again, I'm using this because this was fresh in our mind from yesterday. We go, okay, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I've okay. heard your case. Explain your case. Yeah, let's test it. I'm going to now examine it. I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm going to be slow to... to to say, yeah, I totally agree, and I'm going to start making the case for that as well. Yeah. No, I'm going to examine it. I'm going to cross-examine that. I'm going to figure out what the facts are. I've got a posture towards, as a Christian, we're truth seekers. I want to know what the truth is. I want to know what reality is. This is how gravity works. Yeah. The sky is blue. And, oh, that actually, when you look into the facts, won't work at all. Yeah. So let's go back to square one. We want to protect kids in schools. We all agree. That solution just proposed won't help. So let's move on. Move on. Let's find another solution that Absolutely. will help, right? Um, I, I think a lot of times too. I, I mentioned this. Uh, I heard someone. I don't know. Who, I don't know where the quote is from, um, but uh, the quote was talking about when you debate an atheist. Uh, the quote is something like, "Let an atheist talk, and they'll eventually hang themselves." Um, and, and basically, what it's saying is just let them talk, and they'll defeat their own argument. Right. Is what the quote means. Let them keep talking. There's so much value in ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Let the person making the argument talk until they are just done and blue in the face from talking. Because eventually they might show that their argument holds no water. Yeah. So a good example would be we want to love and value all women. We all agree you know, at least in our culture yeah. in America. Right. Yes. We want to love and value women. Yeah. Especially Christians. Christianity has been the leader on that front. Uh, we want to love and value women. Now, now make your argument for what, how we do that. And then they get to the end of the argument and, uh, and you start going, Hey, you said some weird things in there. I just want to clarify what is a woman? And they go, well, we don't, you know, we don't we necessarily don't know. know. Okay, your argument just hung itself. Yeah. You began where I began. Yes, we want to love and value women, but then your argument ended with they don't even exist. Hmm. So we just you just said you're not sure what it is and therefore it doesn't even exist. I don't think that's going to end well for women if we are saying we don't even know what they are. Therefore they're not even really in existence. Are they really even people? So they're nothing. In the history of the yeah. world, 
when we look at a human being and treat them as less than a human being, as like a nothing, as something that doesn't even really exist, it ends badly for those people. Always. We dominate them Always. as a society. Yeah. We kill. So, yeah. you know, I'm just using that as a, as a specific way of let someone speak. Yeah. If you're getting this messaging, that's a good way of examining it. Let them examine themselves. Yeah. You want to love women. You said that you just implied they might not even exist. And that's so good, too, because it, I, I think we can take confidence in the fact that there is a reality because this is God's world. In other words, there is a gravity. There is a spiritual fabric to the universe. There is created realities because we didn't create them. There's a creator that created them. And when we bump into it and stand on it, it's not that we have the truth. It's that the truth now has us in this created general realm. And that's a good thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a confident thing that in this process of trying to be wise and to figure out what is reality and what's even best for certain situations and policies and ways of thinking and dealing with the culture and handling your iPhone and handling the narratives that come at you and the stuff that comes out of you. Obviously, you have the, you have the scripture that puts on a, a gospel lens, uh, a special grace lens that opens up the unseen world for you and helps you see this world's realm. But you also have solid, embedded, created, they're here, they happened a long time ago, God created this world, to where the truth is there. And in examining and testing, you're, you're discovering it. You're in the process of being a humble discoverer of God's world. And so yes, uh, the atheist, in a sense, will hang himself because he doesn't live in reality. Mm-hmm. He does because he's an image bearer and he's made by God, and so he's going to get the image-bearing realities that are in him and in this world right a lot of the time. Um, but it will always end up being inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So just to encourage all of us, um, you're not having to produce something you're having, you're creating a process of slowing things down and learning to discover what God has already done in his world of creation, uh, and especially, obviously, in the realm of Jesus and salvation and redemption. I think uh, a quick practical note, too, and again, every family with kids has to figure this out for themselves, but uh, I mentioned in uh, the book Irreversible Damage, it's by Abigail Schreier, I think is maybe her last name, Uh, But uh, she basically uh, mentions in the book that we can trace a spike in depression, I think particularly among teens, but I'm sure it's uh, basically across the board. Without a doubt. Spike in depression, spike in suicide and things of that nature. And it can all be traced back to the invention of the iPhone and the release of the iPhone. Um, Yesterday in the in the countering the mass shooter class we took. Yeah, that was one of the first things that was said was that experts are saying that a lot of the rise in the active shooters and the mass shooting can be traced back to social media. Yeah. Uh, the teacher even mentioned, I think that one of the most recent shooters in Kentucky, I think live streamed it. Yeah. So I think that we have to understand that the iPhone and the smartphone is a, um, it, it is a fantastic thing, but it, it takes maturity and it takes wisdom. There are some, 34 year olds i'm 34 there are some 34 year olds 50 year olds who are still not (laughs) wise enough and mature enough to handle it but in particular i think as a parent 
I think that parents have to to rightly shelter their kids and not give them a gateway, a portal into um, these communities mm-hmm. who are intentionally saying, we're trying to reach 10-year-olds yeah. and we are preaching a message to them. And a part of the message in some of these worlds is don't tell your parents about this. Yeah. Um, so parents, I think in terms of media, we have to, we the data is now pouring out about these, about the onslaught of messaging we're getting and it's showing. Parents of little kids need to be extremely careful about when they are ready. And it also shows, doesn't it? It also shows like how the gospel is really the one ultimately addressing these ultimate issues of the heart because this is a heart issue. And even that book that you cited of, of the, the rise in transgender identification, that the driving, I remember when we were having this discussion, the driving motivation for kids was not this sense of dysphoria, which can be a very real thing, mm-hmm. but it was the need for approval. Yeah. That's right. a gospel issue, right? That's and that's right. not, so even bringing in cultural discussions, if you're not, if you're not slow to speak and if you're not quick to test, especially Christians and church leaders, you miss that. Mm-hmm. You miss the fact that what could be driving all of this is actually the profound emptiness of the human heart right. as opposed to some shallow background check or whatever that we're kind of beating with a dead horse mm-hmm. right now. Um, anyhow, so the process should slow us down. And it, even in the process, it helps us as Christians to think how the gospel addresses possibly the heart issues that are involved in a lot of this. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's enough. Yeah. All right. Until next time, y'all.